Welcome to this hour of Sacred Music History. This is your host, Cheryl Manfredonia. Always happy to share some wonderful music with you and happy to take your questions and emails. A little bit later in the program, I'll let you know how to get in touch with me if you have any questions about today's offerings. We'll be looking at some great fathers of music from centuries past. We'll hear from Palestrina, a composer first, and then later in life considered the priesthood. We'll also hear from Antonio Vivaldi, who was a priest first and then focused on his compositional life. We'll also listen to some Monteverdi, another Italian composer, and we'll hear how these three great composers' lives were intertwined right about the same time period in medieval Renaissance times. Palestrina was held in great esteem, highly revered by popes throughout the centuries, and especially by Pope John Paul II, who wrote a letter entitled Palestrina and Liturgical Music. This appeared in The Pope Speaks, a church document bi-monthly publication back in November of 1994. But it could have been written yesterday as I reread this wonderful contribution by Pope John Paul II. He says, at the present time of commitment to a new evangelization, certainly wouldn't that apply as if it were written this week? He writes about Palestrina as um, Palestrina was inspired by the spirit of the liturgy in seeking a form of expression which, although emotional and original, always evoked the highest service to the liturgy. And we as music ministries, that's what we are supposed to do. It's not about our choir's performance. It, it is about serving the liturgical action. Let's hear from some of the great Palestrina pieces as he wrote in harmony with the liturgical and musical renewal desired by Vatican II. It was Vatican II that stated sacred music is to be considered more holy more closely connected with liturgical action, whether it makes prayer more pleasing, promotes unity of minds, or confers greater solemnity upon the sacred rite. Even today, Palestrina's art still appears not only as a manifestation of faith accepted and witnessed, but also as a lasting expression of religious music. His music is a great model for us, and really set the standard which we should carry through future years. We'll start with Obone Yesu, probably a piece in many church choir repertoire binders, very approachable by a standard church choir. And following Obone Yesu, we'll hear Palestrina's setting of 2S Petrus, Thou Art Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the doors of hell shall not prevail against it. To you I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Palestrina 1525 to 1594, our prince of music. First Obona Jesu, followed by 2S Petrus.
the beautiful, smooth, velvet polyphonic writing of Giovanni Palestrina. Just so smooth. Palestrina began his musical training at the age of seven, and like many other composers, he was a choir boy in the local cathedral. Considered the greatest master of Roman Catholic Church music, his name, Palestrina, is um, Palestrina is a small town near Rome where he was born, so customary of the time. You would take on the name of the town where you were born. His first book of masses, masses was printed in 1554, and it was dedicated to Pope Marcellus, who was actually only pope for three weeks at the time. As I mentioned earlier, Palestrina did consider becoming a priest, but finally decided that the priestly life was not for him. Uh, His wife had died in 1580, and that's when he um, had considered the priesthood, but he just continued on dedicating his life to studying and writing to serve the liturgy. He did have two sons. Um, Once he did publish that first book of masses uh, dedicated to the Pope, The Pope, in turn, rewarded Palestrina by making him a member of the Sistine Choir in the Vatican. And because he was married, the next Pope felt that because he was not a priest, Palestrina should be removed from the post. So this is some of the history behind um, his life and how he was serving the church. But still, even being removed from from the post of Um, being a member of the Sistine Choir, it did not stop him from serving the church in his beautiful sacred offerings. When he died, he was buried in Old St. Peter's Church in Rome, and the inscription on his coffin called him the Prince of Music. Throughout the centuries, when liturgical music got a little bit of... um, complicated and too difficult to understand, they would always look to Palestrina to get the composers back on track. Study Palestrina. This is where we need you to be writing. So that happened for hundreds of years. Uh, Let's go to some of this mass then, the mass that he dedicated to Pope Marcellus. First, we will listen to the Kyrie followed by the Gloria.
the beautiful, unmistakable, smooth flowing lines of Giovanni Palestrina. His melodies show the genius, long flowing. They float gently down from high to low or soar gradually upward in such an angelic sense. It was polyphonic, many-voiced, and full of canons, yet you can still understand the text. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he was held in such great esteem. The church fathers were criticizing many other composers who at the time, their music became so complicated, you could not understand the text. And first and foremost, they were basing a lot of their melodies on popular secular tunes and secular themes which totally interfered with sacred text. It was just um, not part of the same puzzle. So Palestrina was given the job of revising old Gregorian chants that were the basis of the Mass. That was usually the basis from which he drew some of his melodic fragments and then wove them into these beautiful finished pieces, voices entering at separate times, but you could still understand every word. They were used for over 300 years. And really for centuries now, Palestrina's music has been sung in church services and in concerts, certainly at the Vatican in the Sistine Chapel. Like many of his contemporaries, he also wrote madrigals, but he really felt more at home in church music. He wrote over 90 masses and almost 200 motets, 100 hymns and offertories. We'll close out our Palestrina segment with one other piece, Ego Sum Panis, translating, I am the bread of life, who comes to you from heaven.
So we will leave Palestrina and the Vatican, Sistine Chapel, Rome, and go to northern Italy a few years later. Claudio Monteverdi lived 1567 to 1643. And I mentioned Palestrina was 1525 to 1594, a nice long life. So midway through Palestrina's life, Monteverdi was born in 1567, a little bit of overlapping, but he stayed and lived in Venice, becoming a music master at St. Mark's in 1613. Monteverdi is known for his operas. However, he did dedicate a great amount of his life to sacred music. He was uh, born in Cremona, Italy, not far from Venice, the home of the great violin makers. He, too, sang in the choir of the cathedral, learned to read music, to sing, to play the organ and the violin. Monteverdi composed many religious works and found time, however, to write ballets, short dramatic pieces, and uh, before long, his operas were being performed in Venice. As I mentioned, it was 1613 when Monteverdi became music master at St. Mark's Cathedral in Venice, the church that could boast of a long list of great composer-directors. I believe Monteverdi took over where Palestrina left off. He continued the great development and uh, took this music, polyphonic and canonic writing, into new paths, using some dissonances also, uh, developing a little bit of a harmonic sense, if you will. Many Monteverdi's works were lost, and only in the past several centuries, I mean uh, decades, have all his known works been published. Singers, conductors, and recording companies have done much to rescue this great composer from obscurity. Music lovers hearing his passionate music have begun to realize that he was one of the most creative musicians of the 1600s, where we would say Palestrina was the father and prince of music of the 1500s. Monteverdi picks up the ball and becomes very creative and wonderful in his time period the 1600s. Let's go to one of Monteverdi's pieces, Domine. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine indignation, neither chastise me in thy displeasure. My soul is sorely troubled. Lord, how long wilt thou punish me? So he's asking God for great mercy upon him. Monteverdi's Domine.
Listening now to the music of Claudio Monteverdi, reminding you, if you just tuned in, this is Cheryl Manfredonia and our hour of Catholic music history, looking at some of the great fathers of music from the medieval Renaissance period. We left Palestrina from the 1500s now, looking to the innovator of the 1600s with Claudio Monteverdi. Um, He was appointed, as I mentioned, at St. Mark's in Venice, and he stayed in that post for 30 years, where he produced a vast amount of music in every form, not only his religious settings. He did 29 masses, various magnificat and psalm settings, but also dabbled in the opera, stage works, ballet, 20 pieces there, and 300 secular madrigals. I would say Monteverdi became one of the most powerful figures after Palestrina in the history of music, one of its greatest innovators. In his secular music, he achieved strong emotional expression, but that carried over into his sacred music as well. There's a mysticism about it and an individuality, but you can see how Palestrina must have had a bit of an influence on him. Let us go to a beautiful angelic piece, a delightful duet of angels praising God in Monteverdi's masterpiece, Vespers of the Blessed Virgin.
Claudio Monteverdi, Vespers of the Blessed Virgin. And you can hear the development and the continuation and the growth, the use of dynamics, the use of tempo changes, and the uses of um, instrumentation, violins, maybe a touch of harpsichord there, a little bit of a string ensemble. Whereas Palestrina was purely a cappella, we have Monteverdi then bringing in some of the orchestral instruments to accompany the voices. We'll close out our little segment on Monteverdi with On Jordan's Bank, which became um, a piece used in the daily office. This is scored for three voices, two violins and harpsichord or piano. And this was first published in 1640. And we're hearing this in English rather than Latin on Jordan's Bank, the Baptist's Cry and Advent Hymn. Oh. 
As I mentioned, Monteverdi held his post for 30 years at St. Mark's, and in his orchestra was Vivaldi Sr., a violinist, who taught violin to his son, Antonio Vivaldi. Antonio takes us into the 17th century now, living 1675 to 1741, an Italian composer and a very prolific and inventive composer in the Baroque era now, leaving medieval Renaissance, moving into the Baroque period. He was born in Venice, as I mentioned, studying um, his earliest studies violin with his father. Um, He was ordained a priest, and he was called the Red Priest because of the color of his hair. He served only a short time in the church, and in 1703, maybe 1704, he became a teacher, conductor, and director of music at a girls' conservatory for orphan girls in Italy. And it was here that... um, Vivaldi turned out over 400 concertos with the young girls being uh, his experimental group. He was trying to keep up with the demand for new material, just as Bach did as he wrote his weekly cantatas. So these gentlemen just put out a wealth of material in such a short period of time. We will listen to a section of his Gloria. It was while he was... uh, well-known in his lifetime. He was uh, famous for his operas, oratorios, and cantatas, uh, the Gloria being one of them. But his current fame is due to his instrumental output. Many concertos and instrumental pieces are used today in concerts around the world. So let's go first to a section of Vivaldi's Gloria, La Dalmoste, and then we will finish out with some Uh, Let's play some from spring from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I welcome your calls and emails. Thank you for tuning in this hour with some of these great fathers of music. This is Cheryl. You can email me, Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at domesticchurchmedia.org. Or call the station if you have any questions, 609-882-882. 9357 the number again 609-882-9357 have a beautiful week and we'll be with you again next week with more sacred music history